You know, I think that a lot of evangelicals really like Trump because they feel that he says what they can't say for themselves. You know, they don't dare say because they're religious people after all, but they feel angry. And Trump expresses that anger and they feel energized by that. On October 11th, 2018, Pulitzer Prize-winning author and journalist Francis Fitzgerald delivered a lecture on evangelical voters in the United States. We sat down with Fitzgerald to find out more about this particular voting bloc and its political influence in the United States. We asked her to first paint a portrait of evangelical voters in America for listeners who may not be familiar with this politically influential community. Well, first of all, Evangelicals are about a quarter of the population, so it's very difficult to paint a portrait of a quarter of the, of the U.S. population. As voters, they have been changing a great deal in the sense that um, this um, political movement, uh, the Christian right, which is a movement inside the evangelicals. It's not evangelicals per se, but, but it's a movement inside it, uh, began in the, in the late 1970s. And... Um, it has been growing in strength, uh, at least through the 90s, and uh, perhaps till around 2005. And um, uh, since then, it's kind of split apart. But, but um, since then, also, uh, evangelicals have been voting more and more Republican and pushing the Republican Party uh, towards their concerns. And their primary causes have to do with uh, abortion, homosexuality, what people call below-the-belt issues. But um, in fact, uh, their, their interests are, are also economic and in national security affairs. But what exactly, we asked, sets them apart from other voters in the United States? Well, evangelicals tend to be more religious than the rest of us, and uh, many of them, in fact most, I think, except for the sort of top intellectual leaders, have a, a biblical justification for just about everything that they do or say. And um, so, uh, as a result, certain issues are far more important, uh, but there are issues all over the map. It's not just this below-the-belt issue. It's, for example, um, the move um, of the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem because Israel is just is, is extremely important to them. And in fact, they, but they see Israel through the eyes of the Bible, um, not, not really as today's Israel, but uh, as, um, as they read it. But when it comes to political power, Fitzgerald pointed out in her recent lecture that the 1980s represented a rise of the conservative movement, which included within it evangelical voters. And their leader, as Fitzgerald explains, was a man by the name of Jerry, Jerry Falwell, Falwell Sr. Jerry Falwell Sr. at this point. Jerry Falwell was the founding pastor of the Thomas Road Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. He founded it in 1956 and at the same time, he began a TV and radio broadcast called the Old Time Gospel Hour. Good morning, and I welcome you to the morning service at the Thomas Road Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. I'm Jerry Falwell, pastor here, and it's a real joy every Sunday morning over this station at this time to share with you our morning worship service. Isn't it grand to be a Christian? But how did Jerry Falwell Sr. turn religious gospel into a political movement? What Falwell did, which was really interesting, was to, first of all, um, gather up all the objections that were going on at the grassroots against the practical social revolution of the 1960s. 
you know, which included um, feminism and, and gay rights and protests against the Vietnam War, all of that that was going on then. Um, this was a, a backlash. And, but, and Falwell picked up these things from around the country because he spoke a lot around the country. And um, he created a small organization. It wasn't, wasn't very, very um, important, but um, it sort of started things on their way. And um, at the same time, the South, because of much the same reasons, was, was turning Republican. The South had been a Democratic stronghold since certainly since the Civil War. And it um, was, was turning Republican because of, of many of the same reasons, the, the defense of the traditional family. Um, civil rights is, is essential to the, um, to the turn of the South and also to the beginning of the um, religious right movement, although when, when it came into being in the late 70s, they, they didn't speak of it very much. But that was in back of it. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear Since the time Fitzgerald describes, most white evangelical Protestants have strongly supported Republicans, and white evangelicals have grown even more likely to identify with the GOP in recent years. What we wanted to know is, why is it surprising that they voted for Donald Trump in the 2016 election? I wasn't surprised that um, they voted for Trump in the national election against a Democrat. That's, they had been doing that for years and years. And in fact, the percentages had been going up. But um, what was surprising was that, that something like 40% of them voted um, for Trump in the primaries when there were at least three other candidates with very good evangelical um, credentials. And in fact, 50 of the um, so-called leaders, I, I, it's hard to find a single leader anymore, um, got together and decided that they had to vote for one person or urge, urge their flock to vote for a single person. And um, eventually they came up with Ted Cruz, who, who suited them perfectly in the sense that he's a Southern Baptist, he's very right-wing, he's a Texan. Is it any wonder we have the country we have when believers are not honoring the commands of the Scripture? We are told to be salt and light. You can't be salt if you don't come into contact with that which you are to preserve. You cannot be light if you're hidden under a bushel. We are told to be watchmen on the wall, and I will tell you this, for believers across the country, we will stay home no longer. So they announced this, and they expected people to follow them, but they didn't. They voted for Trump instead, so that was so interesting. We asked Fitzgerald why this was the case. Why was Ted Cruz, the preferred candidate of evangelical leaders, dismissed by voters in the primaries, and instead they voted for Donald Trump? She explains that Donald Trump radiated the persona of a strong guy. Of, of a strong guy. Um, and somebody who was ready to take a crack at the establishment. Um, he was also, simply by his nature, uh, a populist. I mean, he, he, he didn't pretend to know too much about uh, policy. Uh, he simply had his own particular ideas, however odd they seemed at the time. But he wasn't, wasn't a, um, 
an establishment man. He was an establishment Republican. And um, they liked certain issues of his very much. I mean, immigration. This is not true of the, of the heads of the denominations who have always worked for the inclusion of uh, new mi- minorities with hopes, and particularly in the case of Latinos, of including them in their flocks. Um, but it's been true in the pews because they're the same kind of people who are, who are very much like their secular counterparts, resent um, the notion that, that uh, foreigners are taking their jobs, that um, black and brown people are displacing white America and white Christian America, and more specifically, white evangelical America, and who, um, you know, are feel that there is a huge loss of status involved. They they feel that the Democrats have been helping the minorities too much over the over time, and not paying any attention to their complaints, and their complaints are, are often real, um, because the, the um, poorer part of the American population, which includes, goodness knows, the minorities, have, um, have not benefited from the rebounding economy in the way that others have. So uh, there, is a, there, there was an economic reason there, and uh, I think Trump understood that, and he understood their innate sort of dislike of, you know, the big corporations, big banks, and of the intellectual elite in the, in the East. I mean, Trump said, we're going to bring America back again, you know. And um, in their view, America was at its best when it was under their control, I mean, which, and, which it was for most of the 19th century. I mean, it, they weren't the same they at that point um, because things had changed. But in the 19th century, state laws and were uh, often uh, pretty much controlled by evangelicals, you know, all the blue laws, all the um, laws about sex and so forth. And, you know, the Bible would be read in schools, the Protestant Bible, by the way, not the Catholic Bible. And um, prayers would be held in, in sessions of government meetings and so forth. They felt it was, you know, their nation. And um, gradually the Supreme Court chipped away at this and um, the society became more secular. So when, you know, they, they used to worry about Catholics and so forth, but when Jerry Falwell came along, he changed it, the idea to um, opposition to secular humanism. And um, that, that's still the case today. As we spoke of changes, we wanted to understand more about changing demographic dynamics particularly how the influx of evangelical Hispanics might alter the political profile of the evangelical voter. First of all, um, Hispanics usually come here as Catholics, uh, and it's the same in, in Latin America. But in Latin America, they've been turning um, evangelical, mostly charismatic and Pentecostal. But here they, they turn to um, all, a whole lot of brands of uh, evangelicalism. And... Um, not all of them. A lot of them fill the pews of the Catholic Church, and it's changed the Catholic Church quite a bit, too. So the thing is that they're quite socially conservative, but um, in this country, anyway, they tend to vote Democratic because of economics, mostly, and also because of uh, the, uh, the issue of immigration. <laughs> 
Now, the reason that the, the uh, numbers of Latinos are growing is not just because of immigration. It's because they tend to have more children. I mean, that's true. You know, the more... The, um, the greater one's income, the, less, the fewer children one has. And uh, this has been starting to um, hurt the uh, white evangelical church as well as the Catholics and, and mainline Protestants. So essentially, the Latinos have filled in the spaces where others have left. And um, it's already starting to have an impact on the policies of denominations. Um, I think of the Social Baptist Convention, which is the biggest evangelical denomination, biggest Protestant denomination in the in the U.S. And a lot of, a lot of people don't realize how many evangelicals there. I mean, how many Latinos there are, but um, the um, the the heads of it do understand that, and um, they've been growing rather more uh, uh, liberal on on issues of um, of race and of um, tolerance of minorities, um, generally. And I think this extends to other issues. I mean, there was a big moment last spring where um, one, one of the former top leaders of the convention, um, who, who ran a, a very large seminary, was accused by 3,000 Southern Baptist women of um, not only sexism, but of tolerating and actually perhaps even praising and so on the, the abuse of, of uh, women by their husbands. And it was a big scandal, and he was finally thrown out. Um, so, you know, while the whole thing doesn't change all at once, you can see uh, elements of change coming in. Some of that is because of Latinos, and, but other parts is because the, because the younger people younger evangelicals are much more inclined to care about social justice issues than their elders, who are pretty much fixed on this um, below-the-belt stuff. Looking to the future, we asked Fitzgerald about the role of current Vice President Mike Pence, both within the religious community and also as a political leader himself. You know, I think it's really Trump that is, is the big attraction for evangelicals, even though Mike Pence is... Uh, certifiable evangelical, and uh, and I think he was chosen because of that. The introduction I prefer is pretty short. I'm a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order. You know, Pence may may hope that he he will take over one day. Every vice president always does. You know, so that that'd be no different. But um, I think that um, you know his personality is is just nothing like Trump's, and. Um, I think he would ha- have a hard time keeping the same kind of constituency that Trump does because he, you know, he's by nature a much more sort of status quo uh, establishment figure than 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 Trump is. And uh, and while he would he would keep on with the same issues of immigration and abortion and so forth, it wouldn't quite be the same. And I, I you know, I think that you know a lot of evangelicals really like Trump because they feel that he says what they can't say for themselves. You know, they don't dare say because they're religious people after all, but they, they feel angry. And um, Trump expresses that anger and um, they, they feel energized by that. 
You've been listening to a Beyond the Lecture podcast interview with author and journalist Francis Fitzgerald, the fall 2018 Richard von Weizsäcker Distinguished Visitor at the American Academy in Berlin. You can watch Francis Fitzgerald's full discussion with Academy President Terry McCarthy on the video section of our website, AmericanAcademy.de. There, you can also listen to all previous episodes of our Beyond the Lecture podcast and find links to the American Academy on Facebook and Twitter. Beyond the Lecture is a production of the American Academy in Berlin. Our producer today is Christina Gonzalez. I'm your host, R.J. McGill. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.